0: dumb fun
1: somehow
2: heartbreak feels good in a place like this
3: musical the movie the podcast musical the movie the podcast musical the movie the podcast with andy and Steph. whoa hey welcome in to episode two of musical the movie the podcast i'm nope. andy
4: it's it's our third episode. What'd I say? You said two.
3: Oh, welcome in to episode three of musical the movie the podcast how could i forget episode two which lasted the length of five episodes (laughs) you wouldn't know that listener because i did i went in there like a surgeon i got it down to a mean hour and a half of us talking about the sound of music because we accidentally talked about the sound of music for the length of the sound of music but that was a great episode we got all sorts of people's stories of going to austria
4: do you know what i heard as a follow-up i had someone tell me that the reason that you can't go into the gazebo in the sound of music Is that an eighty-year-old woman went in there and tried to do the dance and broke her hip?
3: My favorite part about that is that Charmaine Carr was twenty-three when she did it and she broke her ankle. And so I was like, why is the eighty-year-old woman uh, raw dogging it? You know what I mean? <laughs> um so, so no, I don't know. What well, you Charmaine think. Carr, she had she had all sorts of movie protections. I would assume. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I
4: see. <laughs> they had robust on-set movie protections in the nineteen yeah, sixties, of sure.
3: course, for women, of course, and for young women. They took very good care of them. They didn't feed them lunches of cigarettes and milk. <laughs> so we did the sound of music we're, we're doing we're back today with a, a scary stuff I'll say it, a scary little movie. It's a is a horror. It's a horror musical called The Little Shop of Horrors. Of
4: horrors.
3: Of horrors. I always overly pronounce that cuz I'm so afraid I'm going to say horror.
4: I just say horror every time
3: <laughs> and oh, I like,
4: look straight in your soul and then I'm like little <laughs> shop of horrors. I yeah. dare you to tell me I'm wrong.
3: The best little horror shop in Texas. <laughs> By the way, uh, I just want to say early on this one, if you uh, have a movie that you want us to do, go ahead and tweet at us. I'm at Andy Andy Fleming on Twitter, one one M in Fleming, two Andys, and Steph is uh, the easy to remember.
4: I'm at Storpsmop. What's so at hard to remember about Storpsmob. that?
3: Storpsmop. It's spelled the normal way. <laughs> Uh, so just put in <laughs> mop and tweet at both of us. Tell us what you what movies you want us to do on here. But for today, it is a little movie called Little Shop of Horrors.
4: Horrors. Andy, what's your relationship to this movie?
3: Oh, man. So this is one of those things that was always kind of ubiquitous. And like, my brothers were always like, kind of like singing it around the house. It seemed like my dad loved it. But I don't think I really sat down and watched it till I was 30. And I and I really did... Like, I loved it. And, it, like, it seemed like... It seemed like I, I sort of knew it a little bit. Oh, I guess there's... Let me say this part, too. My high school put this on <gasps> while I was in high school. And it's one of the that. many plays that I did not get into. But I did go and see it. I didn't go see all of them. After they didn't let me in, you know. I don't go to the shows that don't put me on either. But, um... I went to uh, I went to go see this one. and I remember it. I remember, of course, those those three white girls being the chorus uh, at Christian Brothers High School. I remember <laughs> the kid who uh, is a fo- one of the football players was the plant, and he had to operate it and sing. He was white too, and they had to operate it and sing. And he had he had a, that deep bass voice. And I remember he would come out of the plant for his bow at the end and he was so sweaty. And I was like, man, <laughs> who would ever do that? And smash cut to me being Jabba the Hutt in the roast shows that I do here in Chicago and just sweating my ass off inside these things. But so I was really taken actually with this, granted, very white Christian Brothers High School Memphis performance of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Again, it wasn't until later till I finally saw the movie. But as soon as I saw the movie, as like took it in as an adult, I was way into it. I mean I mean this is this is everything you could ask for, I think, in a movie musical. What is your relationship to it, Steph? It
4: was like a horrible gap in my in my movie musical resume. Um oh. horrible. And and even more so because we watched it horrible. <laughs> um even more so because we watched it uh, for the first time earlier this year, and I loved it immediately. Like, you got Mencken in there just just doing his absolute best work. It's a delight. It's everything that I love in uh, a musical. It's everything that I love in an adaptation. It takes it to this really fun, campy level that, like, in my mind, comes out of the 80s. But also, like, I don't know if that's true. It just feels very of its time. And it's a delight. And And then we watched it again a little bit ago preparing for this podcast and I think have been listening to the soundtrack nonstop since then
3: a lot of bangers on this thing just a
4: lot of bangers yeah um so yeah it's it's my relationship to it is new fave
3: <laughs> new fave problematic uh, I don't I don't see there's not a lot of problems with this thing
4: yeah, I don't. I, I mean, there's not we'll, a. There's we'll get not, into
3: them. we'll get into it. There's not a strong uh, female, what I would call strong female lead, but there is a great female lead. <laughs> but it could use some work. That's all I'll say. Why, why don't we bring in our guests? Have them talk about it.
4: Yeah, I'd love that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with my guest, who has quickly become a favorite of the podcast. And um, I don't know, Andy, if you're familiar with this this role on a stage show, but there's there's a type of understudy that's called a swing. And their job is that they know all of the parts of all of the parts. And and they are standing by. Backstage, ready to jump in in case they need it, and it's just they are the most impressive performers of all of the cast, no matter what. Um, and so, you know, are you lover, our our swing ensemble member Tina Hoff is here today to talk about Tina. it.
3: What up?
5: I mean, don't butter me up too much, but oh my goodness!
3: When staff called you a swing before the recording, I admit that's not what I thought it was <laughs> a reference to. I did not know that term. I thought that we would have our first episode without you, Tina, because you were the guest on episode one you were backup vocals actually no not backup vocals you were straight up duetted with me on episode two yeah and and then uh here you are back on episode three you are not on the song this time though
5: <laughs> i mean this is what a great time to find out that i'm not on the song thanks <laughs> um appreciate that um, no, I'm, I'm happy to be back on. Thank you guys for having me.
3: Thank you for doing it. You're filling in, you know, last minute. But what a, what a treat. What a gift. And, and another gift, uh, my guest. Of course, we always have a guest from the world of comedy, a guest from the world of theater. Uh, my guest from the world of comedy, one of my favorite comics in Chicago. He's a regular on the character assassination shows I do at the Laugh Factory. And he also uh, is the inner, in arena MC for, it seems like, seven different Indiana sports teams. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get him to tell me more about that. Mars Tims is here. Hi, Mars.
2: Hello, hello hello. hello everybody thanks for having me
3: thank you for reading her. what what teams do you work for
2: i was with the chicago bulls the blackhawks minor league team out in rockford the ice hogs and the kenosha kingfish in wisconsin
3: wow wait big big uh surprise face from stuff for some reason i just
4: beautiful kenosha wisconsin yeah shout out to the homeland
3: yeah you are on here with two women from the great dairy land oh I
2: didn't know hey, that.
4: Can you tell us about your your little co star on the Zoom today, Mars?
2: Oh, this is Charlie, or Charles, as as I call him because it, it's it seems to be a little more regal and sophisticated, like he is. <laughs> he's, but he's, he's, in he's a
4: very regal pup. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, he he's very much uh, a lapster so I, I can't leave him <laughs> anywhere else he will come and find me to get in mm-hmm. my lap
3: well mars why don't we start with you tell me about what your relationship is to, to little Shop.
2: well i you know i've heard about it for ever since it first came out uh, my mother was a big fan of it uh, so i didn't know too much about it but i did know some of the songs i my favorite part was uh audrey 2 the plant and as a kid, and in doing what I do now, which is a lot of voiceover work, I just loved the voice of of Audrey too. and my sister and I would run around all the time, just going, "Feed me, Seymour!" <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then, and then you f- ate blood, right? Yes,
2: and then I, and then we would uh, go out and kill uh, people that were mean to us in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and eat their blood. Just squinting
3: at the dentist like you're next.
2: <laughs> but I didn't really watch the movie in in total until I played audrey two in the roast so that was a couple of months ago
3: yeah we did a show called roast the musical which was all characters from musicals roasting each other roast the musical has been a concept we've talked about forever and since you've been doing the shows i've been like well mars is audrey two <laughs> mars is going to be audrey two we'll put a picture of it up when we post the episode but as uh, a costume by steph
2: that amazing, amazing costume absolutely a loved
3: converted it. kermit the frog costume. yes <laughs> And then what do you think when you finally sat down and watched it? Like, Do you think it holds up as a movie? Oh,
2: absolutely it, it holds up. Uh, just from beginning to end, it, it's like a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show in, in that you can always go back and always enjoy it and watch it. And you'll hear things. Like, I, I, I'd heard things in the past that I didn't know came from that movie. Yeah. Uh, And it's just like, oh, that's where that's from. That's amazing.
3: I do want to say that it's actually weird how much Rocky Horror and this have in common in that they are both these like throwback B-movie musicals with the word horror in the title mm-hmm. that like pre- preeminently like use like doo-wop or old rock and roll as a as a through line. Tina, I think I know the answer to this, but what is your relationship to the rock, to not Rocky Horror, to Little Shot? <laughs> I
5: was like, are we taking this one in a different direction? <laughs> all of a sudden we're going to talk about Rocky Horror. Um, I have never... Had never seen it. Um, Never. It wasn't on my radar. And Steph, after like hearing you say you also just hadn't seen it until, you know, fairly recently, I wonder if it's kind of the product of the kind of musicals that we were exposed to in our high school days or kind of around, right? But I saw it for the first time today um, while I was working. I had it on um, at the office. So I... uh, I I don't know if I would enjoy it a lot more if I was with people or, or could super focus on it. It was it was good. I enjoyed it. I love the music. Um I feel like it warrants a second watch, and so I'm kind of hoping to to get some vibes today on on the pod um to to kind of Help me, help me with that. But I knew a girl in high school who, not in high school, in college, who her entire personality was that her high school did Little Shop of Horrors. Um, and so maybe, maybe I've avoided it until now, because that was, she was like one of the, one of the three women, of course, hers was probably also all white girls, mm-hmm. Um and that was just, that was her personality was she was in Little Shop of Horrors.
3: I literally just saw a girl put po- like early, an hour ago on Reddit. I saw that someone had posted, uh, hey, I live in Sweden and my uh, high school is doing West Side Story. And this is like my last chance to be in a musical and there's no Latino people Auditioning for this, and like this is the I, like I like, should I audition for Maria or Anita? Should I do this? And it's just like i don't I don't know if this is the platform to talk about it, but like I don't know what you do about that stuff, man.
2: Hey, if you're in a place that's devoid of and you don't have anybody that can do it, then. As long as they're not darkening up her skin or anything, absolutely go for it.
5: <laughs> I mean, our school did Aida, um, uh-huh. which, looking back, probably wasn't a great choice. It's not a choice that like
4: we would make again today, right? I eat her. I eat I I Aida. Yes, I eat. No, her. that's Audrey too. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Or eat I. <laughs> I don't know Aida
3: There's not a movie of it for some reason But St- I've only heard the songs through Steph It's a great Elton John Tim Rice uh, musical It is it about Africans? African Queen?
4: Yeah it's um, the story Of uh Egyptian royalty And their colonizing Of Nubia Down the river And so yeah. there's like this yeah. level too Of like the white people versus the black people And how much It sucks ah. to be ah. a colonizer <laughs> <laughs>
3: i love that it, i did not know that it's literally about nubia oh yeah I, like are there are there song lyrics about like
4: the gods, love Nub- yeah. okay, actually, the gods love Nubia? the gods love nubia is the is the act one closer and it is maybe my favorite act one
5: closer that i know <laughs> it is it's it like it is transformational
2: that's funny
5: so imagine a bunch of white high school right but it did it, 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 it sounded good it sounded good <laughs> The visuals, not so much. <laughs>
3: well, let's talk about this this movie. So this movie, Little Shop of Horrors, it's based on a 1960s Roger Corman B movie. And at some point in, in 81 or 82... Minken and uh what's what's his writing partner's name do we know Howard Ashman, Ashman I think Ashman Minkin and Ashman they ra- I, what I'm confused about and what I can't find any information about is who tells them to do this or do they just do it because they want to but they decide to write a musical based on this b movie about a plant that eats people little shop of horrors this is like how remakes should be done. Like, you should not remake good movies. You should remake bad movies and make them good. They put it off off off-Broadway. It starts to get popular, and so it moves up. They take off and off, and they move it to (laughs) off-Broadway. And then it gets picked up by, at one point, Martin Scorsese is attached to direct this thing with Steven Spielberg producing it. And it somehow falls into the lap of Frank Oz and boy am I glad it did because this dude knows yeah. what to do with puppets. Yeah, this is Fozzie Bear directed this movie <laughs> and the only things that he had directed before this were The Dark Crystal which he co-directs with Jim Henson and uh, Muppets Take Manhattan one of the best Muppet movies I think yeah. and uh, so this is like his first thing out from under the watchful eye of Jim Henson and... Man, what
4: a what a step this really does feel like you do your first round you get to know stuff you do your second round you improve and then you're on your third flick and you're just like what if I take a giant swing
5: towards murder I, I gotta say <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad that this movie was in the hands of somebody who had that puppeteering experience and that background because I'm trying to imagine again I haven't seen this on stage we're trying to imagine how, how a big puppet looks this good on stage because the film, the way that it's shot and the, the puppeteering is so incredible, like it really makes that puppet come alive. Um, So thinking about it as like a static stage show, yeah. um, probably have to have somebody pretty good in that. But yeah, this movie was in good hands.
3: So they're, they're doing a lot with like playback speed in order to get the puppet to look as good as it does in the movie. Uh, and it really works. It's really good. But like we watched so uh, the the closing number from from the movie Mean Green Mother from outer space was nominated for an Oscar and we watched this morning Levi Stubbs performance of it at the Oscars and the plant looks it's just like going up and down like packing like a little
4: clamshell <laughs> yeah. behind Aww. Levi Stubbs
3: and this is the Oscars so like <laughs> I have to think that on stage that's pretty much all it can do but on film I don't know what they did or how they got this thing's mouth to move the way it did there is not a point where it does not look like the actual voice of Levi Stubbs is coming out of that plant yeah and this is something like even Jim Henson. Like I saw a thing that said Jim Henson praised the movie, and I was like, "Oh, what do you say?" And I researched it, and he said the lip sync on the plant in that film is just absolutely amazing.
5: <laughs> it's, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. All right, that. so we open
4: with an overture, some opening credits, and an ominous scroll because it's 1986, and for some reason we think that um, all movies need to come with a little a little written prologue. But honestly, it's it's just like a. It's sort of like a like a big chord, but it's like drawn out when with words and it quickly goes away to uh, a streetscape where we're now in the early 1960s you can tell because the ominous scroll told us and we meet our our greek chorus that um they're gonna stay with us for the whole show their names are ronette crystal and chiffon they're played by tina arnold michelle weeks and a a debut tisha campbell
3: yeah i gotta ask tina you being the youngest person here when you see those three women is, is there anything that jumps out at you about them no. Okay.
5: I, uh, well, Should it have?
3: Well, the the fact is that two of them went on to co-star together on Martin.
2: Yeah, that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Yeah,
3: is that you got you got Pam and Gina from Martin yeah. are on this. And then the third lady's name again, Steph, is...
4: Uh, Michelle Weeks.
3: Michelle Weeks. And she's great, too, but... There's something about, I don't know what it is, or maybe it's just because I grew up crushing on her so bad, but like Tisha Campbell just seems like a star to me. In this yes. She really
4: <laughs> does. They get, um, so, and I, I kind of want to talk about it just straight off the bat because they're going to be around and they they kind of jump back and forth between um, being our, our Greek chorus and, and like singing right at the camera and giving us all of this exposition. And then um, in other scenes, they'll be in costume in a, a more muted costume that fits in uh with the rest of the scene and they're like interacting with the characters um and it's just it's such a great. I I didn't know where it came from I we watched the the 19 I I don't know like what this um device is I do know that Alan Menken is gonna borrow from himself and repeat it in the movie Hercules (laughs) (laughs) um but it's so effective and like because they're they're giving us they're looking right into the camera and talking right to us so like we get all of their just like flirty energy.
3: I don't know how to explain this either, but the the editing in this sequence is seamless. They'll be dancing and then they'll turn to a camera to the right and it, it just looks like it was all done in in one. And, and also the way that, and this goes for the next number too, because we go, I think, pretty much right into the next number, Skid Row. The way that it's framed with like extras coming out of windows and singing songs and they all sound like Muppets. Like this is the benefit of having a Muppet performer directing this movie is that he knows how to stage a big sketchy performance like this. Yeah. It's also worth saying that like, he this thing is all filmed on a sound stage that they turned into this skid row this this one neighborhood and that sort of gives it this feeling of like It just gives it this feeling of like, oh, we are in a fake place and it sort of heightens the plainness of it a little bit without it feeling too much like a play.
4: Yeah, I feel that. I'm going to call them RCC because they don't really have any other name. They're giving us the prologue, the Little Shop of Horrors, and then it does immediately transition into Skid Row. We meet Seymour Krellborn, who is played by Rick Moranis. He works at Mushnick's flower shop um, and he is crushing on his colleague, Audrey, who wears fishnets and a little black dress to her job at a flower shop. <laughs> they take us into this um, bell Beauty and the Beast, like the whole town singing number, except instead of like celebrating their provincial French life, they're lamenting their, their terrible skid row life
3: yeah it is like an it's like an I want number for basically the whole town <laughs> like the whole town gets <laughs> yeah. to sing what they want during this song
4: and that is um you, to what you were saying about the having um a set built that like it gives it that ability to like really anchor us in this place and you know it like you know when people talk about like New York being the fifth character it's very much like Skid Row is going to be an element of this of this story
5: I gotta say as we're you know listening to this beautiful recap and you were andy talking about you know kind of popping up on the windows like muppets as i'm remembering it i'm remembering it in my mind with muppets included in the (laughs) ensemble and i love it and i kind of wish that this was real because it's it's great in my mind
2: i was still just thinking back to the uh the three singers in the beginning uh uh tisha arnold and uh, tishina arnold and uh tisha campbell and how they were kind of like a uh destiny's child (laughs) before destiny's child Uh with a a beyonce and michelle and 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 all of them
3: it's worth noting that they're all the name their names are all doo-wop groups like girl groups from the 50s and 60s just fonds the crystals and the run
5: oh yeah see that went right over my head (laughs)
3: And then I also, I'll also say that I was like Man I, we were watching this again A couple of days ago and I was like man Patricia Campbell Just a star isn't she and Steph is like Maybe or maybe it's just that like They didn't really know how to light black people yet And so she's the what She's light skinned just
2: yeah. so she's the best lit Of them That's <laughs> a really good observation yeah. Yes
4: There really are like justice for all dark skinned people
2: <laughs> Yeah it's, it's they need ring lights. Good point.
4: <laughs> So yeah, so so we meet Skid Row um, and then we go back into the Mushnick's flower shop and find out that Mr. Mushnick is going to close this god and customer forsaken place. Um, and Audrey suggests that he might have more success by displaying an unusual plant that Seymour owns. I wrote here it would seemingly bring the number of displayed plants in the shop up to a total of one. Mm. It's really? Like- <laughs> They're really showing that Mushnik is not trying to sell beautiful things here.
3: I should mention that we also watched the 1960 version today while while we were working in preparation for this. And uh, the at some point, Mr. Mushnick says, I hate plants and I hate flowers. And I was like, that makes so much more sense for the Mushnik in the 86 <laughs> version because there's no plants, no flowers on display.
4: Yeah, so... Okay, so here now um, we are introduced to Audrey too. Um, we find out that Seymour has named Audrey too this as a as a um, tribute to Audrey,
2: which by today's standards would be quite creepy. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but she's thrilled by it.
4: Right. I also I kind of think it's creepy then too, but right. She
5: is not. She is tickled. Yeah. <laughs> the squeak she does when he she does this like extremely high-pitched squeak I I literally I was like huh, and I, I kind of jumped in my chair it was amazing
4: it's an otherworldly reaction yes um, and the other thing that I noticed here is that we we move the camera to Audrey 2's perspective. So like mushnik and and Seymour and Audrey are all like looking down on the camera, and so we kind of just like immediately get this. It's part of what we we're talking about before. We get this sense that like this thing is alive, and this thing is is different than other plants.
3: And it's also a way to not show you the plant for a while, because the second he brings yeah. it in, we switch to to the plant's perspective.
4: We build up some suspense. Yeah.
3: It's now good time to mention, too, that we have a, a Venus flytrap in the house. <laughs> Tina, on your last episode, we mentioned that we named our turtle after uh, Asparagus, the theater cat. We'd also have Venus flytrap, but we did not name it Audrey 2 or 3. We named it Tyson after Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
4: He's a vicious friend.
3: Mm-hmm. And a weird face tattoo. <laughs>
4: Uh, so yeah, so we get Audrey 2's perspective, they put it into uh, the window, and immediately we get our first cameo. I We haven't talked, this movie is full of just delightful cameos that are performances that like fully go to 11, unintentional, because this first one is Christopher Guest. <laughs> and uh, he plays, I, I don't, I, he has a name, I didn't write it the, down.
3: It's called The First Customer.
4: Yeah. <laughs> okay in
3: all caps yeah
4: and he's just he's giving this like he's like dead faced but over animated and like kind of looks like he's a robot but he's really into this plant um and it's just it's just a delight and and his whole function there is to be the first person who comes in and says wow look at that plant
3: yeah i don't know if his body moves once he once he stops walking and i don't know if his if his the corner of his his mouth move away from his ears he's just got this (laughs) weird joker smile on and he says wow look at that plant in the window i mean it's like this b movie (laughs) performance it's really fascinating really funny because yeah this movie is filled with basically sketch comedy people you know we have rick moranis and then we're gonna have steve martin we're gonna have uh john candy and and even a belushi in there later not you know one of the good ones but a belushi <laughs> but one of them yeah
4: <laughs> so yeah so then we get the the a little a little cut scene to the discovery of audrey to which is, you know, we're talking about whether this movie is problematic. I think that there is a little bit of uh, caricature here in the Chinese flower shop that he finds this plant in. Um, our our RCC girls are back. They're, the song is called "Doo," and they're they're doing just like a great little doo-wop um, as Seymour narrates how he found this plant during a total a random total solar eclipse, mm-hmm. um, and then we see like a, a lightning strike just sort of like strikes Audrey 2 into being.
3: This is by the way the most explanation we're gonna get for <laughs> for why Audrey 2 exists is that there's a solar eclipse suddenly a bolt and then Audrey 2 is sitting there where the strange Chinese man sells his strange Chinese plants.
5: That <laughs> makes sense. yeah. I, right, it makes sense to me. And the
3: chorus girls are are also wearing kimonos Ooh. even yeah, though yeah. I'm pretty sure that's Japanese. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's the 80s. It's a different time. Yeah. It's a different time <laughs> in a movie about a different time.
2: Yeah. Like early 80s. Yeah. Or 86. I think, yeah, 86. I 86
3: but mm-hmm. again, it's mm-hmm. it's based, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but it is based in seemingly maybe the early 60s, 61, 62. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know that it's not later than 62 because one of the things they that uh, Audrey Two is going to say later is offering Seymour a guest spot on Jack Parr. <laughs> and, and Jack Parr stopped hosting the Tonight Show by 1962.
4: That's just a thing you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just like, no, Andy.
4: So after we meet Audrey 2, we pretty much immediately go into Seymour's like nice guy anthem "Grow for Me," <laughs> uh, in which he is he it's he's lamenting that like he's he's doing all of these nice things and giving Audrey too all of this hair um and, sh- and she gives him nothing that's literally the lyrics sometime in the song he accidentally pricks his finger and audrey gives him one of the like a little like baby suckling face mm-hmm. um and so we not na- we discover that what audrey too needs to thrive is human blood also um this is i think our first instance of seymour calling it tui Which is just a very sweet little nickname.
3: We also get what I would call a disturbingly long shot of Rick Moranis sucking his own finger. That like... must have had to have like you know i'm sure it had to look a certain way so that the plant could mimic the sound but like and how long did he actually have to do it on the day you know i always wonder about these things yeah it's so funny that you call it a nice guy anthem i've never thought about the straight line to the song of you know i've given you sunlight and potash and all these things and why won't you grow is so similar to i held the door for you why won't you fuck me (laughs)
4: exactly but audrey too likes blood and yeah. so uh Otter two to get some blood and just immediately, like we get a scene of, of um, roots like popping out of the Maxwell House container and just like inhuman,
5: inhuman, it's not human, it's a plant, but, but. <clears throat> Unearthly growth <laughs> oh, there you go. I found myself I knew that this plant Was going to grow because you know I kind of knew the conceit Of the show I was kind of waiting I was like ooh What's the puppet going to look like mm-hmm. when it gets bigger Like how are they going to do it and I was like Very very pleased with the outcome there
3: I read about how in the play often They will have uh, Seymour Has a fake arm that's holding The plant and that he's actually using his Other hand to operate the puppet mm. Live
5: yeah ooh. Yeah I like it. Yeah. Some good Frank Oz shit. Yeah, I love me some fake limbs on the stage. That's
3: right. That's right. You can ask our friend <laughs> Big Bird about that. Big Bird's got a dead arm, so he can operate the, the head.
5: Oh, I was like, what's the reference here? <laughs> yeah. What am I missing? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, I got there. I got there. Big Bird.
5: Yeah.
3: I, I think he got some nerve damage and numb, and so that one arm doesn't work.
2: <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> and arm free to work the mouth. No, no. <laughs>
5: Andy I believed you I felt like the puppeteer <laughs> like I was like oh wow thanks for the trivia
2: <laughs> was it gore was it gore that had a a, a dead arm and so it, oh, would, it was like stick a pin
3: or I'm oh, sorry Bob Dole Bob Dole
2: Bob yes Bob Dole yeah had a dead arm and he'd just stick a pin in it yeah and, and it just yeah <laughs> moved around. yeah
3: that's what Big Bird should have done Big Bird just had a should have had a pin <laughs> in there yeah. in his Viagra ads and everything <laughs> That's another Bob Dole reference, Tina. I know you're very young. Oh,
1: okay,
4: okay. <laughs> oh, so now we're going to get our second fun cameo. Um, Seymour is becoming a local celebrity. And to showcase that, he's going to go on a radio show called Wink Wilkinson's Weird World. Wink Wilkinson, of course, played by none other than John Candy. And the only thing I really wanted to highlight here is that we get a shot of Audrey 2, like, trying to snack on a producer's butt.
3: yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first yeah. uh, documented case of eating ass.
2: Yes, right.
4: <laughs> I don't think she enjoyed it quite as much as... No,
2: no. Getting her salad tossed by a Venus fly. By an right
3: actual there. salad.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by an actual salad. Yeah.
5: <laughs> when, uh, after Steph had, had texted me to ask if I could come on today, I was googling on my phone this, this movie to see where I could watch it, you know, for free. And the the trailer for the, the movie comes up and it plays on Google and just the only shots were like, Rick Moranis in this plant, and then the shot of that woman's ass <laughs> just going back and forth, auto playing on Google. So it's like, all right, I guess I'm in for some ass. A little ass for a treat. <laughs> We're a three for a three now. Talking
4: about buttholes. Oh yeah, I
3: mean, I guess that's true.
4: <laughs> that's true.
3: I do want to say that my my absolute favorite thing about this scene. Is that it is a radio show to showcase weird things. So he brings in the plant, and literally the very first thing that Wink says to him is, "Boy, I wish you guys could see this." (laughs) It's like, well, what's the point?
2: I also like that they have a a a bunch of weird people in the the waiting room to get on the show. There's like like a. A mummy, or something, or like a a, a nun, or it's like a just a big giant doll, yeah, with just like this dead-eyed look in its face, and then like a bunch of just weird people to be on this radio show that no one can see.
3: Man, I, th- I thought I, could, yeah, I thought I was gonna be able to clock them all, but there is definitely a, a nun mannequin. Yeah, um, and then I don't remember what the other things were, but again, yeah, I'm sure for every one of them, Wink is just like, God, I wish you guys could see this. It's a, it's a nut, it's a mannequin, it's a, it's a nut. Oh God, I wish you could see it. <laughs>
5: That's how I feel right now with the listeners. I wish they could see the Jack Skellington uh, in Andy's, Andy's uh, window on the Zoom. God, I wish you guys could God, see it. The
3: uh, backpack over here on the side, all the various costumes and props. And now,
5: is that backpack supposed to have evil eyes or is it have like a hat a it?
3: a fedora on it, but okay. the eyebrows. God, wouldn't... I
5: wish you guys could see this.
4: God.
3: <laughs>
4: so props to John Candy doing his best here. Um,
3: oh, I did read that John Candy was offered Mushnick. And he was oh. like, is there anything
2: smaller? <laughs>
5: I just didn't want that big of a commitment. I yeah. guess so. <laughs> maybe tax purposes, maybe?
2: <laughs> yeah. He was like, work with Rick Moranis. No, no. <laughs>
4: um, so yeah, so then uh, we go back and we see Audrey um, with her sadistic boyfriend, oren Scrivello, uh who is a dentist and is played by steve martin and i don't know how i never knew that this was a steve martin moment but what a steve martin moment yeah
3: truly he's incredible he's uh he's singing like he's doing a rockabilly type type song Uh, And, you know, we know he loves the banjo and all the various accoutrements that come with that. But the way, yeah, his his performance in this is incredible. It's also the only movie that Steve Martin and Bill Murray are both in. Wild. Isn't that weird?
2: Yeah. And it's the only time I've seen Steve Martin with dark hair. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
4: My first, like, big memory is Father of the Bride. And that movie is, like, I don't know, four years after this. And he <laughs> is all white there.
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah,
3: much like the cast of uh, Little Shop <laughs> at my high school. <laughs> <laughs> and friend. <laughs> but so does, is his first appearance his song?
4: No, so um, we meet him briefly uh, as he's, like, beating up Audrey. Um, cool. And then she... From their dreams of uh, her life in the suburbs with Seymour, somewhere that's green.
3: Oh boy, let's talk about it. Okay. there's no reason this song should work for me, and yet I think this song fucking slaps. <laughs> I, Ellen Green, we I've been holding back because I wanted to wait until we got here to talk about it. Ellen Green does so much with so little in this whole performance as Audrey. The character has no agency. The character uh, is not strong. And yet you can't take our eyes off of her every time she's on screen.
4: She has such a deep perspective and like you can't you can't not watch her. She's doing the most all the
5: time. Definitely the the first few minutes I was like, I don't know if I can watch this this voice she's doing the whole time. And then by halfway through, like I I was a hundred percent on board. I was like, Nope, I love this. Just a plus, A plus. Her her
4: singing voice too. She like she's clearly doing an Audrey voice, and then there are sometimes in a song where she just like lets it out to wail, and it is incredible.
3: So she's the only person in this that was on the original stage. uh production she was on the first production off broadway both in on off broadway and in the west end and then they tried to get cindy lopper for this part for the movie oh. and cindy lopper couldn't do it It kind of would have been interesting yeah, there's rumors Sam- that that barbara streisand was offered the part
2: but she also was like is there something smaller <laughs>
3: <laughs> they but then eventually frank oz is like i'm just gonna go with Ellen Green, she nailed this part on Broadway, and and I, I really can't imagine anyone else doing this part. I mean, she I can't imagine someone else making so much, making such a meal out of of such a weak character. <laughs> her singing is her singing is the only thing. Like you don't even really think about that Rick Moranis is not a singer until she's until he's duetting with Ellen Green. Yeah, I hear that. And he's just like suddenly see more, and she's like suddenly see more. <laughs>
0: she's like no
4: get out of here this is what it sounds like i the other thing that i wanted to highlight in this song we get like just a brief moment of a mary poppins like cartoon bird as she's doing her little uh hallucination about the suburbs and it's just such it's such a choice and i it's usually the kind of thing that i hate in a little one-off like that like i like it to be sort of grounded but i love it here because everything else is so absurd like might as well be a little cartoon bird
3: yeah also i do want to mention that the life that she really wants with seymour sounds like a fucking nightmare (laughs) 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 she mentions that they will go to bed at 9 15 every night and she mentions that they will watch lucy on their big enormous 12 inch screen which i get that's a that's a time joke i get that uh, but she talks about having plastic on the furniture. That's her fantasy. Her <laughs> ultimate fantasy is to have plastic on the furniture to keep it neat and clean.
2: Sounds like my grandma and my aunts.
3: Yeah. Right? I mean, that is what the women of this era, the 60s, wanted, I guess.
2: Yeah. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. I, I like that the way it was filmed, it-, it was very much a film except for the songs. And then it looked more like a, a stage play, the way that it was shot. Just like the depth of the shots and it looks like it's on this big stage and the camera is just filling in parts, whereas when it's all just the acting part, it's like, all right, you're living, you're living right along with these characters. And then when they're singing, it's like, all right, now I'm actually watching a musical and the sound just creates such a picture for you
4: it helps us capture like the energy between all of the actors too because we're not like in the the camera is not in the way of us watching it because it's it's doing these like big shots where we get everyone
3: it's worth noting that this is shot uh, at pinewood studios which is a famous uh, studio in england where they shoot the, a lot all the bond movies uh, and this was in fact shot on what they call the 007 stage which is this giant uh, stage that they use for a lot of bond movies and it's It's so big that they can't really heat it practically. And so Rick Moranis and Ellen Green would have to keep ice cubes in their mouth so that there wouldn't be visible breath. Wow. What a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah.
4: We should definitely cut this out of the podcast. (laughs) But um, I'm in nursing school now. And I just learned that that's like an effective tool for um, fertility is to to cool yourself down right before you fuck.
3: Wait, you like... (laughs) <laughs> in, in what way what do you do do you do you like step into a well, walk-in fridge or
1: it, it, we're it, not it, we're it, not
3: cutting this out i want to be very clear <laughs> <about that. laughs>
4: What I was learning about the study that I was reading about was with um, mice, and so I think they they do just like stick the mice in a fridge.
3: They don't give them little tiny ass cubes. <laughs> no. Yeah.
5: But wait, that doesn't make sense because when you're in your fertile window, uh, I'm a mom. I know all about the fertile window, you guys. Uh, when you're in your fertile window, your body temperature is higher, right?
4: Yeah, but um, it's something about so so the the reason for the scrotum. Is, which is, by the way, that's, the name of my that's new That's what our podcast.
3: Christmas cards yeah. uh, say.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is that the testicles like to be a little bit cooler. And so that's why mm. they, they're they outside of your body a little but bit But it's a more. blanket. Yeah, but it's a blanket that's like away from all of your guts and stuff. Uh,
3: that's but weird. then it needs
4: a blanket because
5: it, it's very precious. It's very precious, the scrotum. This is my new favorite... Um... Podcast within a podcast yes. is, is stuff giving little like nursing. This is what I learned in at nursing school. You're listening yeah. to
3: Fertile Ground, the podcast within the podcast,
2: <laughs> the Fertile Window.
3: <laughs> okay, wait. One more question about somewhere that's green. Do you, Do you think it's weird for her to be singing her last name like that? Because her real name is Ellen Green, and she has to sing this song where she she sings the word green. I mean that's weird, right? Imagine if you had to sing somewhere that Smith.
5: <laughs> I mean, but every time you talk about a every time you talk about a, like a flamingo, you're not like flamingo. I'm sorry. Wait,
3: I'm what? sorry. Were you were you talking to me?
5: <laughs> yeah. What?
4: <laughs> Mar- Mars. What about like when you talk about like space? Are you like that's me?
2: Yes. Yeah. All the time. Whenever I hear someone say it, I'm like, hmm
3: something that used to happen to me in school is anytime a teacher would be talking and they would go and and that i would freak out for a second because i thought they were about to call on me my ears would perk up
4: i don't have that i'm just because there's literally another stephanie smith in my grade uh she used to like get my mail stephanie m and stephanie that's right we probably shouldn't say that on the oh whoops <laughs>
2: Ooh, that part will definitely be cut out <laughs> Cut that out. Leave infertile window. (laughs)
5: From Appleton, Wisconsin.
3: (laughs) What about, I guess, when people say blacksmith, you're like, oh, that's definitely not me. (laughs)
4: Yeah, as as previously mentioned.
2: There's a lot of people that would look up, though.
4: There are are a lot of
2: blacksmiths. (laughs) There are a lot of blacksmiths.
3: We should do that again. We should make last names. We should make, like, we should call it, like, uh, Jones, you know, instead of Smiths. Like, we should bring that back. Like, I'm a coffee Jones. I guess Jones means you want something. Yes.
4: Coffee jones in. See,
3: now this is what's getting cut. No
2: Jones-In. So
4: yeah, somewhere that's green, it's it's just a beautiful little dream. And then from there we go to um, a montage, Some Fun Now is the song. Uh, ain't We Having Some Fun Now? And we are. We, so we just, like, get this montage of how great Audrey 2 has revitalized the shop. Um, and, and then we, like, sort of see that juxtaposed with seeing Seymour... Um, being physically drained because he is blood bloodletting himself <laughs> to feed this plant. And this is
3: uh, this is a Calypso number, which is interesting because everything else is kind of doo-woppy and this is this is sort of Calypso-y. Uh, and it is it, it's, it does seem like something that they sort of put in because they just needed the plot to move along yeah, faster. <laughs> I
5: see that. I mean, this movie is like a tight 90 though. Like <sighs> it's great.
3: And we, and by the way, we haven't even gotten to the plant talking yet. <laughs> no, <Jesus. laughs> the plant hadn't even sung its first word yet.
4: Well, I think, and they we talked about this. Like the plant starts talking, like pretty much exactly halfway through, and we're almost there. Um, because the only thing that happens between now and then is uh, that the dentist, which is the name of the song, um, we just get this like whole scene of Oren, the sadistic dentist being a sadistic dentist also featuring like he doesn't even make it to my to my little recap but featuring the bill murray uh yes. cameo as as the masochist who goes yeah. to the dentist to get off
2: yeah yeah
4: that's not that's not exaggerating like if anything that's underselling this part as written yeah.
2: he was really good too
3: before we get to bill murray i want to talk about the song dentist because it's it's incredible steve martin sings the shit out of it uh the only problem I have with it is that his mom tells him your temperament's wrong for the priesthood and teaching would suit you still less. And I went to Catholic school and there's no two better occupations for sadists <laughs> than, than priests and teachers. Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, you know what we do also have to talk about here? There's this great shot because this movie is directed by Frank Oz mm-hmm. that's, like, inside the patient's mouth. And yeah. there are, like, these other lips around it. Oh, it's so yeah. beautiful. And it's, like, I
3: mean, something like that, like, it's, it's five seconds of the movie and it probably costs... Uh, $20,000, you know what I mean? Worth it. To make this big mouth that goes around the camera, it's incredible. Where do you yeah. think
4: that mouth lives now?
3: There's all sorts of dentists. I think they probably use it for a lot of the dentist horror movies, like The Dentist and uh, Dead Ringers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a gynecologist movie, but maybe they repurposed it yeah. <laughs> like like we did with the Kermit costume made it into the plant. Teeth and all.
2: <laughs> I also like the little girl that has the uh, the, the big metal headgear all over her, her mouth and it's all because as a kid I had to wear one of those and i was just like that really? is torturous and it it just oh, yeah, no. yeah yeah there's just like this complete metal like it's something out of the movie saw where you get like 30 seconds to disarm it and get it off or else it rips your <laughs> rips your jaw open but so yeah
3: then then bill murray comes in uh in a part that we were surprised when we watched the original today uh to find that that role is jack nicholson in nineteen sixty. <laughs>
2: Oh,
3: oh wow! And he is—he's very funny. He's very funny. Like the the movie is not worth watching—the 1961. <laughs> but if you can't, if you can just Google Jack Nicholson scene, he's great. He fully commits to this part of someone who's delighted by the idea of being worked on by the dentist. And
4: he's much more like terrifying, whereas Bill Murray is delighted. Like, and it's not. I mean, it, it like it, it is terrifying in total, but his performance is just. Uh, tickled he's tickled Mm
3: -hmm. yeah (laughs) apparently nothing was scripted for him to say while he's in the chair and he just kept improvising all these things and the editors just fucking hated it because they had to piece (laughs) something together out of three days of him riffing
4: that checks out so then um oren the dentist picks audrey up for the date for a date uh and seymour closes up the shop watching them
3: with he's brought with him a little hit of laughing gas. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I forgot about that.
3: He has like little canisters of laughing gas that he brings with him everywhere he goes. It's
4: sort of like Chekhov's laughing gas. Um and then and now we finally get to smooth baritone of Levi Stubbs uh comes out of Audrey Two asking Seymour to feed him. And now and we get feed me. Feed I'd-
2: me, Seymour. <laughs>
3: incredible this song is incredible Uh, there's not a song that levi stubbs uh, honestly levi stubbs entire performance in this movie is inspired the casting of him was inspired and he his performance is like for someone who's not an actor to have this much charisma and this much he's clearly doing he's doing things that there's no way to write down in a script you know what i mean
4: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, so one thing I like that this song does is he's asking him to he's asking Seymour to feed him and he's like your your life will will improve. I'll I'll get you everything you need. And then when Seymour starts singing it goes back to the nerdy duop sort of sort of music behind him. And it's not until Audrey 2 has can convince Seymour to kill that Seymour finally sings over the more rock and roll music. Just just a little musical note that I noticed.
4: It's lovely. Lovely is a weird word. It's um Excellent That Menken, He knows what he's doing He does mm-hmm.
3: But uh, but so uh, Rick Moranis is someone in particular Who would have to sing Face to face with the plant But he would be singing at, at a much slowed down Playback So that they could Play it back at double speed And make the, the plant The plant look better Oh
4: Interesting Well it works And Seymour goes And uh I don't know Like he's got a gun So like obviously His plan is To kill the dentist but instead of having to do that, um, <laughs> or the dentist has this like Ghostbusters backpack uh, <laughs> laughing gas thing and just asphyxiates himself, conveniently. Yeah.
5: I- I was in a meeting when this scene was going on the first time and so I had like one headphone in and like by the end of the scene I was like wait 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 what the fuck just happened so I had to watch it over again god I hope my boss never listened to this um I had to watch it again I was like oh okay (laughs) I get it now it
3: does happen sort of suddenly and you can tell that it's this way to sort of kill the dentist without having Seymour be
2: directly responsible right he's still the likable good guy
3: yeah. Yeah.
4: We were talking about bit. um the morality play of it all, which is I think much more pronounced in the, the nineteen sixty movie. And
3: even in the stage play, which which has a a, mor- a more morality centered ending, which we'll get to. Yeah. We'll talk about it.
5: I yeah, I don't wanna I mean it, but this whole thing where just the dentist kinda this accidental overdose or whatever, you know, oh, oh, it wasn't Seymour's fault he didn't kill, but like later he like murders a dude who he's known for a lot like that. mm ah.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that it's like a way it, of like right?
5: dipping your toe in the water.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Right. But the dentist is just like a way worse dude. Like Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He
3: sure looks like plant food to me. It would have would have been fine with it if he had killed him. But instead, he just he asphyxiates and 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 as he's dying, uh Steve Martin who is both played for some reason i just realized he's doing a southern accent in this character for some Mm -hmm. reason
5: yeah yeah
3: (laughs) and so as he's dying he goes what i ever do to you and seymour (laughs) says it's not what you did to me it's what you did to her and how out of it he is he says her who and and then his last words are oh her and then he dies. wow Her? And Seymour just... Ca- her? And Seymour carries uh, <laughs> carries his dead body back to the shop.
4: And then fully dismembered. Like, we get, like, a classic axe murderer shot of him <laughs> dismembering the body with an axe because Audrey is not yet, spoiler alert, big enough to eat a whole body hole. Somewhere in here we get... Um, suddenly seymour from audrey where she's like immediately over the disappearance of her boyfriend and just now is in love with
3: seymour uh, well i believe also we see mr Mushnik sees him dismembered that, yes. that happens yeah that happens after yeah, yeah. so okay. uh,
4: we see audrey we see the, like their little love song and then he goes home and dismembers him and and Mushnik right sees this happening and
2: blackmails.
4: yeah but just like kind of like thinks I don't what what must Mushnik think about that moment if if you have this guy who's just been like a meek little dude living in your basement and then all of a sudden you see an axe murderer I guess that is why we have that trope
2: <laughs> it's it's always the quiet ones but
3: then also I mean what I love and I, I, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves but is he Mushnik doesn't rat him out immediately he goes home I guess and thinks about it And he realizes that if Seymour goes away, the plant will go away. And so he has to try and figure out a way to make it work for him still.
2: Because he's making so much money on the plant.
3: Yeah, which is, again, sort of, it's all the morality play of it. We're trying to keep Seymour a little bit clean Mm -hmm. so that he can get away clean. But it's questionable. I want to talk about Suddenly Seymour because... The, this is the real nice guy anthem to me. This song is clearly written by a man who hates makeup. There are three different references in this song to w- wash off your mascara, wipe that lipstick away, like you don't need that makeup. And you can you can just be the person you are. And this was clearly written by one of those guys who's like, you you guys wear makeup, and that's a lie. <laughs> written in the yeah. key of slutch chaining exactly. yeah.
4: <laughs> but it's like also presented as this like very lovely the the culmination of them finally getting the release of them finally like admitting their love for each other and being able to be together
3: even though because of how rhymes work the lyric is seymour's is my friend <laughs> that's
4: really true huh and
3: and not my lover or boyfriend <laughs> boyfriend it's right there yeah
4: but yeah, so then um, Mushnik is trying to blackmail Seymour into make so this is any you pointed this out earlier, that the blackmail does not involve Audrey to going away or getting rid of it at all. It's, it's entirely Seymour has to leave town and then Mushnik gets to keep Audrey too. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. and retain all the, all the boons that come with that.
5: Yeah. It should make a whole lot of sense to me, because if he just, like, if Mushnick just, like, turned him into the cops, he would keep the plant anyway, right? Right.
3: Well, because Mushnick didn't see him feeding the plant, right? Right.
5: Right.
4: Oh, yeah, he just, he just sees the traveling. dismembering, so yeah. he hasn't really, like, put it together. But he's about to, because <laughs> the way that we get out of this predicament is uh, Seymour walks Mushnik. Mushnick's, like, walking backwards, and Seymour just kind of, like, walks him into the mouth of Audrey too, who swallows him whole.
5: Horrifying i a, a little shop of whores. I, 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 it's a Vor thing. I'm not into it. It's just <laughs> awful.
3: you say Vor? Vor. What is vore?
5: Oh, I don't know if we have time to get into it.
3: <laughs> is this like tentacle porn?
5: Um, it could
4: be. <laughs> it's a little worse than. Well, worse is.
3: Oh, now, who, now who's shaming? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just going to Google Vor Urban Dictionary. <laughs> oh,
5: no, no. Oh, just, okay. 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 <laughs> Yeah, let me know
2: what it means.
3: Let's see. Vor, a fetish in which one fantasizes about being eaten alive or eating another creature alive. Which is also known as, and I'm going to pronounce this very carefully, phagophilia. What?
4: (laughs) And I guess, importantly, I... I don't want to slut
5: shame. If you're into Vore... Well, oh, I'm a kink shame, yeah. If No, I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't.
2: We shouldn't be eating people.
5: <laughs> no. Yeah, that's it. I don't think a we lie. should be eating people. Like, very yeah. different from, like, a cannibal thing. It's not that. It's, like, eating them whole. I know... I know a lot about Vore. Um, I've been on the internet for a long time. Um, <laughs> okay. It's so all sick.
3: But, yeah, he... So, some t- some, somewhere in between eating the dentist... And now the plant is just fine to eat a whole body, yeah. presumably because he grows every time he eats.
5: And someone watching this just has a an awakening.
3: <laughs>
5: so <laughs> something awakens within them. Uh huh. Good luck to them. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> what an Alvor's internet.
4: R.I.P. For Mushnik oh so this is this is fun this is a a moment that's like we the song isn't on the soundtrack it's called the meek shall inherit and or it is on the soundtrack but there's like a big chunk of the song that's that doesn't appear in the movie there's no real melody it's just sort of like a beat to a beat to background music um and and seymour just is going like fully viral now
3: yeah, it's almost mm-hmm. like a um what do they call it when it's like a Gilbert and Sullivan like it's one of those, you know? Like and a pattern. Yeah. No, you're on the cover of Life yeah. magazine. Yeah, pattern. That's exactly what it is. Yeah.
4: Um, and it's also, we get like a lot of, it's from like a bunch of different voices, right? Like the the RCC girls, but then also like the press are sort of narrating this.
2: That was a, a great shot where the RCC girls are like in black dresses with like white highlights and white sunglasses in like the press room and like everyone's yeah. sitting at their typewriters and they're like yeah. strategically placed in there. Yeah.
3: Every single one of their outfits in this movie.
5: A plus. Amazing! Yeah. yeah, yeah, no
4: notes. Beautiful, beautiful costuming. and so this is this is our montage that's like Seymour has now hit his limit and decides that he has to escape, and so he takes a moment to propose to Audrey like you do, and then as he's leaving, Audrey too, who has teeth now, big teeth. Um catches in and demands more. And rather than just leaving, Seymour is like, Yeah, okay, but you're only getting ground round this time. Mm. Um, that's like that's his his line is like, I'm not gonna stop feeding this monster. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it um animal instead of human.
3: Yeah. Even though there was a very clear line earlier in the movie that the plant does not want meat and it needs to be blood and it needs to be alive. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to go get you some ground round. That's all you deserve. And then I'm sure everything will be fine after I leave.
4: <laughs> and this sort of feels like a, another just like excuse to move the plot along because while he's gone to the butcher shop, Audrey, too, grabs a quarter from the till <laughs> using one of their uh, articulated tentacles mm-hmm. and then calls Audrey from a payphone. Audrey is now in a full wedding dress because, as previously mentioned, she's just been proposed to. And, and again, that's how that works. And, like, coaxes her into the shop. And this is, I realize, this is the first time that Audrey sees the plant talking and stuff. I do want to defend the, like, if I saw that from across an alley, that, that it was a plant talking to me on the phone, I would go look at it. I wouldn't <laughs> be able to resist that.
3: Uh, a, a couple yeah. things about this to me is that, one, Audrey 2 calls Audrey and it has the Levi Stubbs voice and it is flirting with her and she's like, Seymour? Yeah. No, no. no." Two, I don't know if anything makes me laugh as hard in this movie as after he hangs up the phone, after the plant hangs up the phone, he takes one of his tendrils and he checks the coin return slot to see if he can get his quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't. He doesn't get his quarterback. He's just like, no, Okay. (laughs)
5: <laughs> how how would he know how would he know that's the best part about it been like, watching
2: what, people right? He's been that watching phone. everybody come in and use that paper
4: <laughs> so yeah so audrey comes in the shop and audrey too tries to eat her and seymour returns just in time to pull audrey from the plant's mouth she's like fully just her just like her lower legs sticking out but apparently that's not where the digestion happens so right. it's fine right yeah
2: yeah no chewing no bite marks just going straight down
3: no uh acid that would i presume dissolve the uh, bodies inside the mouth which is how it works with venus fly traps hat tip tyson
4: (laughs) 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 right none of that yeah they just they they get out and they flee here's where we get our final our final uh cameo in the form of jim belushi they're in the middle of a reprise and he like literally cuts off their reprise with an offer to breed and sell an Audrey II to every household in America. Andy, I think you know more about this than I do. But like, what we see in the movie now is a rewritten ending because the original movie, I think, from here goes to that's how that's the end of the
3: world. So I mean, what happens here in the movie is that they basically are able to somehow defeat the plant and and i guess we'll get into the last shot of the movie but what happened originally in the stage play is that uh audrey is dying from being almost being eaten by the plant and they they shot this Indian too and they put it on the movie audrey's almost being almost dying and then she says you know what." let the plant finish me so that you can go on to live your dreams. And so the plant eats her and then Seymour is going to kill himself by jumping off a building. And then that is when this, this salesman who was Paul Dooley uh, in the original version, not, not Jim's Belushi, they couldn't get Paul Dooley back for the reshoots. He interrupts him and he says, uh, Hey, I want to take, I actually took some clippings of your plant. And um, I think that we should uh, sell it all over the place and make Audrey twos in every household. And in the original ending, it works. And we we see the RCC girls in front of an American flag and they give this somber song called Don't Feed the Plants that is all about how the plants have infiltrated every house in the world. And there is mass carnage as the plants. We see shots of the plants like stomping over cities like Godzilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's like basically the ending of the movie.
2: Yeah, 2 takes over the world.
3: Yes, truly. And um, they shot that and they put it on and they test screened it. And people absolutely hated it. It was not getting... um, You have to get, like, over 50% favorable audience reviews to release a movie. And they were not getting over 13% with this ending on it. And Frank Oz thought about it. And he realized that, oh, in the play, the plant eats everybody. And then at the end, the actors come out and bow. And everyone's cool with it. He's like, but in a movie, the actors don't come out and bow. And so audiences were just really mad that these characters that they had put their hearts onto for the last hour and a half just died and lost and even though he believed that that was the right ending and and that Minkin and Ashman believed that that was the right ending because again Seymour has done all this morally shaky stuff (laughs) and does not deserve to just get off scot-free but they realized that they had to reshoot this ending where it's a happy ending or else the movie was not going to get released and so they did and the favorable audience reviews went up and that's why we have the ending that we have but I do recommend that you go on YouTube and search for the original ending it's finally out there it's pretty good that being said (laughs) I love the song Mean Green Mother I was from just Outer Space. Say,
4: in, in, in its stead, we get this like absolute banger, which is this movie's offering for uh, the Oscars that year. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it won. I guess it, I'm guessing it didn't, but it uh, didn't. It, it should have. It's, it's a full bop. It's sort of like Audrey 2's little. There's, a, I remember there's a Spotify playlist that I found, which is actually, I think, where I first heard this song. It's called like musical villain songs that. Our bops, it's probably something <laughs> pithier than that. Um, and it is just, it's a villain masterpiece. So we get like Audrey 2's last stand as as uh, they're trapping Seymour in the shop and just like fully destroying the shop, like tentacles yeah. through the tile floor. Yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's a moment where we see like little plant tentacle offsprings that have their own mouths now, and yeah. like, mm-hmm. they give the little chorus for
3: for it a thing that they did in the play and in the original 1960 movie is that originally the, all the people that the plant would eat the plant would start blooming flowers and they would have the faces of its victims and Ooh. the yeah. last shot of the 1960 movie is the Seymour flower opening up and it's, he just says I didn't mean to and then he falls and that's at the end <laughs> that's it yeah
2: <laughs> And Seymour even gets his pants pulled down by Audrey too in the fight.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that's his big comeuppance.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what you get.
4: And here the the very like Deus ex Machina ending is that Seymour pulls out an exposed electrical cable. And just touches it to Audrey, too. And that's enough to make
5: it explode. Just into nothing. Just into yeah. dust. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and they go on to live their perfect suburban life on somehow the exact house that Audrey dreamed about because they could probably only afford one set. And we uh, we see the, the RCC girls dance by. We don't see Tisha Campbell's face because she clearly was not available for the reshoots. <laughs> um, but as we pan down, we see that there's one... Audrey to Bud in their front yard. How'd it get there? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. This is a reshot ending.
5: <laughs> it's a very much, you know, how uh, a movie or some, the ending would be like the end and then a question mark would come yeah. up? Like this was very much that kind of, oh, the end. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Leaving um, it open for a sequel.
5: That's, and I,
3: which I still want by the way I think it would make sense I guess I just want to mention a couple things one is that yeah this song was nominated for best song it was beaten by Berlin's Take My Breath Away from Top Gun and even if that hadn't been nominated or any of the three other bangers from the Top Gun soundtrack hadn't been nominated somewhere out there from Ameri- for an, an American Tale uh, was also nominated and so it would not have won this was nominated for practical effects at the Oscars as well and it was beaten by Aliens
2: ooh Ooh, I know, that's a tough call.
3: Um, also, something that was around in my childhood was a board game that was based on this movie called Feed Me. Does anyone remember this? I do because
4: we watched a commercial of it.
3: <laughs> well, let's listen to that commercial. It's the game of
2: Feed Me. I'm a hungry plant. Feed me. Better watch your hands. Toss the dice. They'll tell you how many marbles I must eat. But if I swallow on your turn, you're out. Thanks for the treat. Feed me, he's a hungry plant. Feed
0: me,
1: then watch your hands. I don't care who feeds me, just drop them in my mouth.
5: <laughs> Give me more, 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 can't get enough. Yeah. Oh, won't you feed me now? I will. Feed me, I will. from Milton Bradley.
2: From Milton Bradley. From Milton Bradley.
5: You gotta love a toy that tells you the rules of the game in the commercial. <laughs> yeah.
3: Also, this was something that I remember from my childhood. There was also a cartoon based on this movie on Fox Animation when I was a kid called Little Shop of Horrors. Let's just listen to a little bit of the theme.
1: The the Alright, it's time for me to bust a rhyme, so sit back and oh, God. While, Wow! Like so get ready for a funny bone overload the Little Shop, yeah boy! And oh <laughs> Yo, the little shop posse is gaining respect, so break out before I put you in jail. <laughs> now, when oh,
2: you got boy, to the show, that is but horrible. But you didn't
0: want to see, so just be careful. Getting close to me.
3: Hey, and that's
2: enough. Jeez, that is awful. They had so many hip-hop groups in that, in that just little <laughs> opening. They had Public Enemy. They had yeah. Cool Mo D. They're just, oh, that was awful. That was awful yeah boy oh geez
3: <laughs> okay i go we don't have a lot of time here but i do want to talk briefly about what a reboot would look like if you guys have any ideas a, a reboot was being talked about in like 2019 that where it's going to be Taryn egerton as seymour stop with the muscly nerds i don't need it um, I, need,
4: I need someone much more scrawny
3: yeah i and, and here's my opening pitch for that it's kyle mooney
5: Oh, I could get on, <laughs> board, with yeah. I I get on yeah. board with that. I could get on board with that.
3: Um, I don't know who. It's so hard to conceptualize someone else being Audrey too. It was t- it was going to be Billy Porter in this in this seemingly abandoned film version, which wouldn't be bad. I have a I have a pitch as well for that. It's someone who it seems like they're probably a pretty bad person. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm only talking about their voice in this instance, and that is Mystical. <laughs>
2: real bad person (laughs) it seems a little high-pitched though i don't think he has the bass necessarily
3: well i I think that we have to go right into uh the song here because the way this show works mars is your first time on the show tina you're somehow back on the third episode (laughs) is that uh We wrap up with a pitch for a new song when they remake the movie because we're trying to get that best original song Oscar when they remake it, right? So I had a few ideas for a song. Mr. Mushnick doesn't have a song. I was like, let's write him a song. I couldn't do it. I couldn't come up with anything. I was like, let's write a song where Audrey has any kind of empowerment or agency. Um, That didn't speak to me. That's not Too
4: fundamental (laughs) of a change in the character.
3: (laughs) And so I went with my third idea and it, it was just, what if we got to meet Audrey's first victim, and it wasn't a human. It wasn't the blood from Seymour. Even before that, if Audrey learns of her taste for blood by encountering three—I <laughs> don't know about this one—by encountering three mean gnats. Okay, so three mean gnats come into the shop, right? And they encounter Audrey too. And uh, I guess, I guess, well, that's all the. It's, I'm picturing puppets. I'm picturing Henson Workshop. Puppets, like
4: that's part of it. As I think it'd be an, a really fun way to like expand that element of of yeah. the movie.
3: Seymour closes up the shop one night, and as he closes, we hear and they they get in the door, and then we do a hard zoom, and there's these three Nat puppets. Okay,
2: I was wondering. I was like Nat or like Nat is like short for Nathaniel. <laughs> or... okay. One
4: of them is Nathaniel. One of them is Natalie.
2: Uh huh and the
3: and other one is um nate and Nat cole
2: yeah Nat- <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh so the, here's the song let's go into it uh this is a musical the movie the podcast exclusive uh this is the nats of skid row. again i don't know about this one here we go well
1: we're the nats who run skid row since we were born four days ago We'll fuck your girl And then we'll kick your ass We want a bite to eat The Skid Row Trash Sucks Dumpster Diet It out y'all can go to hell things are starting
3: to look up for the gnats of skid oh. <laughs> big chomp big chomp at the end there the two surviving gnats go to fly away they hit the window they fall on the floor and then we just hear the scraping as the plant moves itself over to the dead gnats on the floor so it can eat them too it now has a taste for blood i love it I you. love
4: the conceit that these gnats wear pants. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's, that's the biggest problem with it, isn't it? Is it? What, what are they actually creaming?
0: <laughs>
3: it's as good a time as any to remind everyone that the home for all of the songs that you hear her on Musical the Movie the Podcast is our Patreon, patreon.com slash dumbfun, which is also the home for uh, 30 characters, as well as another podcast that you're a part of, Mars, Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, woo woo. Uh, where, where you play the sexy mummy, Nathan.
2: I know. Uh, it's been years since I've been a love interest.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you do it well, I gotta say.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a great performance uh check out fanny falls demon hunter it's a fake rewatch show for a fake buffy show basically that happened in the 90s and we have clips and everything and mars is incredible as as the mummy so yeah mars what what, is there anything that you'd like to plug in terms of stuff coming up
2: i am all over the country i'm going to be in uh rochester minnesota at the end of september uh headlining at the new goonies comedy club for a weekend so uh good enough yeah. Goonies are good enough. Marstims.com. <laughs>
5: Tina, what about you? Nothing to plug. Once again, I'm I'm not a comedian, I'm not an entertainer, but I'm I'm so glad you guys have me back on. Hey, you Thank can you. Plug
2: your regular
3: appearances on movie the musical, the podcast.
5: <laughs> yes, you you can uh hear me in episode one, and you can also hear me again in episode two. Where were you at? <laughs> What were you a swing? Were you ever a swing for an actual performance? No, I wasn't. I was not understudy um, in in a community theater uh, play a uh, very long time ago here in Wisconsin. Um, Call was about as close as I get. I think that one was the best Christmas pageant ever.
3: Cool. That's going to be your credit in the description of this episode.
5: <laughs> Stuff. I want? You know what I want
4: to plug? Being kind to a nurse. Anytime you have to <laughs> interact with a nurse. They have a really hard job, and uh, thanks to their hard work, I'm going to come back on our podcast with weird body facts.
3: Yeah, look, yeah. Steph's in nursing school, so hit that Patreon up. <laughs> <laughs> hit that Patreon up, and get, Steph gets a taste of that money, so help help us get Steph through nursing school. For God's sake, we need money. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being here to talk about Little Shop. Such a delight. Um w- w- w-
2: Cut this part out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> You'll just end with the voice of a gnat.
3: Chop. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time where we will be talking about, oh, God, we've watched two good movies in a row, so we had to give ourselves a dreadful assignment for the next one. We will be watching Dear Evan Hansen uh, for our next episode. So.
4: <laughs> Tina's face. I wish you could see it. Join us in two weeks. <laughs> a God, I wish you could see
3: Tina's face. <laughs> Join us in two weeks for Dear Evan Hansen. Bye, guys.
5: Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. With Andy and Steph.
0: Phone Dome.